It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by a man we have been waiting to talk to. He's the DNC chair. It's Jamie Harrison. Thank you so much for being here, Jamie. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm great, Jess. It's so good to be on with you and Zerlina. And can't thank you guys enough for having me on to my my campaign for the U.S. Senate. And I'm looking forward to being on a lot as chair of the DNC. I mean, well, we we, we'll... we last talked to you. Was it in person? No, I think we talked maybe on the phone. Yes, on the phone. Post, post, post pandemic life. But I guess, how are you holding up? I mean, this world, this has been, this pandemic year plus has been insane. But I think that, you know, you being at the DNC is a reflection of, you know, just how much has happened as well in terms of um, where our politics are headed. So just how are you holding up and well, I, reflect on this know- moment we're in? You know, Zerlina, I am still smiling. I mean, this has been one hell of a few years for me. Uh, we, uh, we, we, you know, we had a, a kid. Uh, uh, I ran a Senate race. Uh, oh, well, he's two now. So, but I, I'm just reflecting <laughs> on the last few years. I kid, Senate race. Uh, then I get the call to, to possibly, you know, to be the DNC chair, then the election for chair. And now, you know, we have this amazing administration that has hit the ground running and it's just doing amazing things to improve the lives of people. And it's a bit overwhelming, but I feel so good um, for the first time in a long time, you know, just the, the ability to breathe and not think, Oh my God, what's going to happen in the morning? Oh my God. Uh, there's a crazy man who has the nuclear codes and mm-hmm. we don't have that anxiety anymore. And uh, that's a good thing. Truly. I mean, I wish that we were seeing you in the Senate, um, but this is a pretty close second for being able to shape the national agenda. And we were, I mean, just so genuinely excited that this was the direction that the DNC was going because, you know, we get frustrated on this show with the Democratic institution and sometimes they miss voters <laughs> that we really ought to be spending more time talking to not just in an election year and sometimes we can get this little myopic focus on like pulling back those swing voters those few you know guys in the diner who who vote you know democrat before and then republican and how do we get them back and you don't have any of that problem. <laughs> you, no. you ran your campaign as somebody who who seemed to realize that every vote was worth exactly the same. <laughs> and, and we should be talking to as many people as possible, especially people who agree with us. Um, how are you bringing that ethos like to the national stage at the DNC? Well, you know, I, I'm proud to say this is not your grandmama's DNC. We are going yeah. to be doing some things yeah. a lot differently uh, than in than has been done in the past. And uh, just yesterday, I announced a historic, unprecedented uh, level of investment that the DNC is going to do this year 
uh, in preparation for 2022. We're going we're gonna to spend $20 million and we're going to do it on the ground. Um, we wow. are uh, embedding staff uh, in some of our key battleground states. We're working on our 57 states and territory strategy. Uh, we're going to have embeds in voter protection. We're going to have embeds in communication, embeds in terms of organizing. And we're going to do something that people have been complaining about for a long time. They all, I often hear, why do Democrats wait until the last few weeks of a campaign in order to put people on the ground into some of these communities? Well, folks, we're going to start putting folks on the ground this summer for 2022. So, well, a year and a half of, ahead of the election. And those folks are going to be on the ground working on building stronger relationships with the communities that we need to engage and we need to educate, and we need to mobilize, and then we have to protect them once we get them to the polls. And so I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, again, it's unprecedented of what we are what we're doing, um, but you know, in order to buck the history and make the history that we need for this, these midterms, uh, you gotta do some unprecedented things. One of the things I think that's so cool about um you know, your lens and perspective on, you know, what the Democratic Party needs to do right now is it feels like it's infectious. And when I listened to Biden's speech last night, you know, we were talking about it um, on the show that, you know, we were like, oh, I, 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 oh, I agree with that. Yes, I agree with that too. Oh, okay. And so, you know, we're, we're sort of looking at moderate Joe Biden and realizing that he has been listening to yes. many of those progressive voices who have been making the case for um, not not a moderate approach in this moment because this moment requires bold action because it's a big you know series of of messes that um, you know have been created by the previous administration have been. Um, you know, a result of climate inaction. <laughs> um, and so I think it, it feels great to hear you sort of set up um, your outlook on, on how to uh, run the DNC and, and be successful for the Democratic Party. How do you convince those who have been the traditional obstacles though, um, you know, in, in within that ex establishment um, to reach some of these goals yeah. um, because well, there, there is that, that exists. <laughs> well, well, Zerlina, one of the things that is different about this time around also is that we have a president in the white house who is giving me the green light to, has given me the ball to run with uh, and has said, I know I'm not on the ballot, but Democrats are, and we need to do all that we need to do in order to maintain and build on the majorities that we have in the house and the Senate pick up some governorships, uh, make some, some uh, uh, headway in terms of state legislatures. And, and that's a refreshing feeling. Uh, and to know that he is uh, invested in the DNC as well and has given us the, the opportunity uh, to, to invest on the ground and really engage in a 57 states and territory strategy. Uh, I couldn't do any of this if, if I didn't have, uh, you know, the support of, of our president. But we see that same uh, mentality when it comes to our, our policy in this country as well. Uh, there's, a, there's a sense of fearlessness that we have with this president that I think many people were surprised by, that he is, he is seeing the challenges and he's stepping up to them. 
Now, will it be everything that everybody wants it to be? Probably not. Uh, nothing ever is. But I, I, you have to give Joe, Joe Biden his credit that he is doing some things uh, to really address some of the inequities and the issues that people deal with on a day-to-day basis. And that's why those, these policies uh, are, have overwhelming support with the American people. It seems like I mean, we're, we're all obviously we're Democrats. We're always bracing for defeat. But but the 2022 midterms, I'm I'm thrilled to hear about the I mean, 20 million dollars is a massive on the ground investment um, extremely early. But are, so are, are we just trapped in this thinking that because we won the White House, the 2022 midterms are going to be historically bad? You know, if we look back at, at our lifetimes, the only time that, you know, a party has picked up seats in the in the midterms immediately following a White House win was post 9-11, which was not normal times. Now, you could also argue that this is not normal times. Is, is there something about what we've all just lived through, not just the pandemic, but four years of Trump that that make you more optimistic for our chances in, in the midterms? Yeah, I mean, there are a number of factors, Jesse. If you look at the polling, and right now, uh, we've had the highest level of party identification of Democrats that we've seen in, in, in years. Uh, and we have that right now with President, uh, President Biden. We see that his approval rating is over 50%. Donald Trump never got to 50%. Um, you know, we see that his policies are overwhelmingly supported by the American people, Democrats, independents, and Republicans. The DNC... Uh, is in the best shape that it has ever been in. We had, uh, under my leadership, we have had the, the best first quarter in the history of the DNC, and we outraised the Republican Party by $4 million. And we're going to continue that type of momentum uh, to, to make sure that we're doing what needs to be done. And we know, listen, we know the history, but if we also knew the history in 2020. You know, for the first time in 30 years, an incumbent president lost uh, an election. That happened because Democrats organized everywhere and we all worked together. We also know the history in Georgia. Uh, you know, no Democrat had ever won a runoff election. Well, hell, we ran, we Georgia. And that's, that's the power that what I'm trying to tell folks. If we work together, if we are on the same page in terms of, of our mission and, and our message and, and the methods by which we utilize on the ground, uh, getting our voters out and protecting them, uh, we can make our own history. And I, I fervently uh, believe that. And that's what we're we're working towards here. You know, people can talk about, well, this is what happened. This is what happened. Uh, we're going to we're going to make what we need to happen happen. One of the other things I wanted I- to ask about that, that fundraiser, yeah, ahead, since you since you since you brought it up. I mean, this is one of our biggest concerns was that, like, once Trump is gone as a boogeyman, is everybody going to breathe a sigh of relief? And are we going to lose the sense of urgency that came into small dollar donations that came into organizing that came into volunteering for campaigns that like was that all going to go away? Because, like, you know, the country breathes a sigh of relief. The crazy guy's not in charge anymore. We've got Joe Biden. We're all good. Let's go back to our normal lives. And then I saw the DNC's first quarter haul this year and it shocked me. Like I was just assuming there would be a major dip. Um, but and, and there was in high dollar donors, you know, organizations that depend on a single benefactor or two are, are having a hard time because they're tapped out. But 
this is small dollar donations, right? So can, can you talk a little bit about like, why do you think people are still, even after Trump, so invested in, um, in democratic success? Well, well, just I think they're still invested because they finally have a president that's invested in them. Uh, you know, Joe Biden's hmm. talking about the things that people people are concerned about, the pocketbook issues that they have just been struggling with. Uh, you know, and what we were able to do, I mean, the American Rescue Plan is is also unprecedented. You know, this massive bill to put money in the pockets, to uh, vaccines and arms and uh, get our kids back into school and then create jobs, a million, a million plus jobs created over the past three months. I mean, think about where we were on January 20th uh, as it relates to COVID. At that moment, uh, uh, Dr. Fauci was talking about, well, you know, it, was, it won't be until the winter and maybe the spring of next year that we'll be able to do this and that. We have blown past that. Over half of adults in this country now have had vaccines. Um, that's amazing. It really is amazing. And America has moved from the bottom of that list to the top. And that's because of real leadership. And Joe Biden wasn't playing when he started uh, on day one. And, and, and we probably would be even farther, uh, further down this road had the previous administration allowed uh, the Biden administration to do uh, the transition in the proper way. But, uh, you know, I think people forget the fact that they were really locked out of, of, of being able to talk to the doctors and the researchers and all that for the longest amount of time. And that was unprecedented. But regardless of the situation, uh, th this is what real leadership does for you. And uh, I'm proud of it. And I'm proud of this administration and how they have been uh, uh, so impactful on the lives of the American people. I mean, it's so funny that you say uh, you, you, you highlight the fact that it's it's amazing, because one of the things that happens in the media sometimes is like, if the government does a thing well, it's not really a story. It's like, oh, Biden achieved his goal next story. But like, I remember the week that like the Obamacare website didn't work and it was like, people were on the news talking about how the entire program was over because yeah. the website crashed. Right. And I was like, I don't think that's quite <laughs> the appropriate frame on this story, guys. I think we're overreacting a little. You might be letting you, you might have a little bit of your privilege clouding your judgment here when you are doing your analysis. Um, you don't have to worry about getting health care from Obamacare. So maybe you care that there's no whole music. But the whole point of this rant, um, the, the whole point of this rant, uh, there is a point. No, the point of this rant is really just like, you know, we, we should celebrate when the government does a good thing. Um, yeah. And stay engaged to, you know, ensure that outcome all the, you know, all the time, right? That, that's exactly right. And, you know, and I think part of what you are seeing with uh, this administration is that they are, uh, are, are letting the American people know this government is not your enemy. We are not here to hurt you and your family and your communities. We're here to help, uh, you know. We, in your greatest time of need, your government needs to be here. That's, that's why you have a government, right? Yeah. Uh, basic foundations for why you come together in society is, is for security and protection uh, and, and improving your, your status in life. Uh, and, and for years, for decades, the Democrats have allowed Republicans 
uh, to push this notion that uh, the, the American government is against them. Uh, but Joe Biden's turn that, turning that on its head. That we're here to help uh, in the, the, our times of need. We need to be here for each other. Uh, and that's what we've seen right now. I mean, from the American Rescue Plan to now the American Jobs Act, I mean, Jobs Plan and the American Families Plan. This is about uh, being there for each other and particularly for working people in this country who really uh, are carry this nation on their backs. Um, and, and that's that's what we what this party is all about, whereas you get, you know, Marsha Blackburn sending out a tweet about you know, universal yeah. child care for, for kids and how it's supposedly Soviet and communist. I mean, I'm sorry, Marsha, we don't have au pairs or nannies and all this other stuff uh, going in and out of our homes in order to take, you know, some people have to work two and three jobs. And yes, their kids, they want the best for their kids, just like you want the best for their, for yours. So why can't we work in order to get them the care that they need? That's what, that's what we should do. And that's what Joe Biden and Democrats in the House and Senate are going to work on. I have a question about the division in the country because we keep hearing that we're a divided country. You know, we, we know that seven to eight million more Americans voted for Joe Biden than Donald Trump, but that number was closer than we would have liked it to be considering what a disaster Donald Trump was. Um, but that's not the only division. It, the the country is actually divided into thirds. There was a, a, about, you know, a third of us voted for Joe Biden and a slightly, slightly smaller third. I know that's not how math works, but bear with me, voted for Donald Trump. And then this other third of the country didn't vote at all. I have to imagine that a lot of those people are our people who have been voter suppressed, who are working too many jobs, who are recent immigrants, who are young people. There there are so many reasons why people don't vote. And we tend to ignore the part of the country that doesn't turn out. Um, And that seems short-sighted. So what are you doing to, to raise participation and to reach out to those people who even in 2020 didn't vote? Well, you all remember uh, during my campaign, I had this ad called the Dirt Road ad, in which I talked about meeting this elderly African-American man in rural South Carolina who, uh, you know, I was trying to get him to convince him to vote. And he basically gave me the history of the fact that he had lived on a dirt, on a dirt road from Ronald Reagan up to Barack Obama. And neither a Democrat or Republican paid his road, and he didn't want to deal with any of them, right? And that is the mentality that a lot of those, that third that you talked about, Jess, uh, have, is that, you know, they've heard a lot of words from both political parties, but they've seen very little actions in terms of how you improve uh, their status in life. How do you uh, deal with the the issues that they are dealing with on a day-to-day basis? So part of what we do uh, in order to appeal to those folks is to show them and not just talk to them about it. Yeah. Right. And that's what Joe Biden is doing right now. That's why the American Rescue Plan is so important. That's why the American Jobs uh, Act is so important and the Family Act, because that is a way to go to these people and say, this is an issue that you've been struggling with. And because of Joe Biden, because of Democrats in the House and the Senate, and because not one Republican actually voted for it, these people have stepped up to address those issues. And now what we need to do in order to continue our efforts to improve your life, we need your support. Um, and so it's about it's about our actions. You know, we those of us in a Christian faith know, the, you know, the good book says faith without works is dead. Yeah. Uh, you, you just you can't just talk about it. You can't just hope about it. You can't just pray about it. 
there has to be some action in there in order to do uh, and, and make the difference in the lives of the people that we know that, that is needed. And so a big part of what we will do at the DNC is to sell what Joe Biden and Democrats in the House and the Senate have done to in, in order to improve the lives of people. And so you all have seen it We from billboards to digital ads. To, you know, I mean, we're going to have everything so that we are educating the American people on what has happened and who is responsible for it and who didn't do anything. So that is going to be our, our tactic for the next you know, few months until we get to November. This is more of just, I, we only have one more minute, um, but this is more of just a question of you as somebody who ran for Senate in the state of South Carolina uh, and, and have you mm-hmm. been successful would have been the other Senator from South Carolina um, along with Tim Scott. And last night in his response to Biden, um, he said he said a number of things, but one of the main things that I wanted to ask you is when he says America is not a racist country. And in the year 2021, you know, not even 90 days out from insurrection, being from South Carolina, I mean, I'm assuming you, you have met Tim Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, does he really believe that? Or is that, you know, more Republican talking? Well, I mean, Tim's a true believer. I mean, he's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong, but he's a true believer in whatever he says. He, he believes it 100%. And, uh, you know, my eye was twitching last night. I almost broke <laughs> a, a pencil or two, that particularly when he started defending the Georgia election law. Uh, you know, uh, it's really not particularly with elections and all that, we know how systemic the racism was in terms of elections in this country, in South Carolina. I mean, my grandfather, who I was so close with and passed away in 2004, I mean, he and I would go and vote together. And the last time that we went to vote, he told me this. He said, Jamie, you know, in this state, I wasn't always considered a whole man. He said, you know, in this state, I wasn't always able to vote like we did today. And he said, I want you to promise me something. Never let anybody tell you you don't matter. Never let anybody tell you you don't count. And this is not some past history of hundreds of years ago. This is recent history, right? Um, we, We know and we know that people, particularly in the Republican Party today, are trying their damnedest in order to keep black folks from going to the polls. We know it. I mean, you know, even from the, you know, you can go back from the, the criminalization of giving somebody a bottle of water. Why do they need a bottle of water? Because they're standing in lines for hours. Why are they standing in lines for hours? Because for over the past four or five years, the Republicans in the legislature in South Carolina, I mean, in North in Georgia, have reduced the number of precincts, particularly in black communities, which makes the lines long, which makes it more difficult for folks in order to, to vote and exercise their right. They are purposely doing that. And we've had Republicans on record who said that they want to keep black folks from voting, right? So this is no, no like Democrats are making something up. It's the reality of the situation. And for him, the, you know, the Republicans are always talking about, uh, well, you know, woke this and woke that. Well, they need to wake the hell up and understand uh, because we all understand what they are doing. Uh, and, you know, no... We, we, we aren't being snowed here. Uh, and this is my promise. We're not going back. 
we are not going back. My sons and the sons and daughters that grow up now in South Carolina are not going to live where they couldn't exercise their right to That won't happen. Not on my watch. Not while I have. But means I'm not letting that happen. We can't let that happen. And so if they think that they're going to score on us and sneak us in and we're going to smile and say, oh, well, you know, it's about integrity. No, hell no. Uh, we're going to fight back against this with everything that we got. And so, you know, Tim can say what he wants to say, but he's going to be on the losing side of, of this fight. Jamie wow. Harrison, I know you're on your way to Georgia. I wish you the best of luck at that rally. Yeah. And we are, um, you know, it's 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 almost as much of a relief knowing that Joe Biden is in the White House as it is knowing that you are chairing the DNC. So oh, please, nice. please, please keep up the good work. Yes. Um, we're going to so have much. you back on to talk about the agenda many, many times. But stay safe and have fun in Georgia. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you both. Take care now. Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Zerlina Maxwell, at Jess underscore MC, and at Signal Boost Show. 